And now for something completely machinima. And welcome to the And Now for Something Completely Machinima podcast. For this episode, we're going to be talking about our films of the month. Uh, we have selections of film, myself, Tracy, and Damien. We've broken up the podcast into separate uh, sections instead of having a long one. The last one we did, 3.1, was the news. This is films. Let's start out with what, Phil, your, uh, your pick for this monthly film. What is it? Mine is a film called Pause, P-A-W-S. Um, actually, the Italian version of the title is, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Zamp, Zampa. I have no idea. Um, the the uh, maker of the film uh, uses the name Acagnoprod Presenta. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's the Mario, you know? I don't know. It, it, basically, anything that I attempt to do to pronounce this is just going to come off as like a really offensive Italian <laughs> stereotype. So, you know, forget about it. So, pause uh, is made in Grand Theft Auto V, but it is unlike any Grand Theft Auto V film I've ever seen, uh, mainly because the the protagonist of the film, I believe, is a some kind of a mountain lion. And there's no dialogue. It's just this mountain lion running around causing trouble, uh, people fleeing and whatnot, and then getting chased. Um, not just by, you know, you'd expect him to be chased by a hunter. No, he's been chased full on by a police car, <laughs> breaking through barriers. and oh, It's just the craziest, weird little three-minute film that I've ever seen. And it was totally unexpected for Grand Theft Auto V, even though if I had, when I first watched it, known more about the capabilities of the built-in editing tools, I really shouldn't be surprised that the fact that you can take control of basically any any model that's active in the game, you can you can take control of and be that character. And uh, I, I don't know anything about, you know, what was involved in producing this film. If it was done in multiplayer or single player, it could very well be that that the the actor was solely that that mountain lion, and the police were computer controlled chasing him down as, as if he were fleeing on foot. I don't know, but it's it's bizarre film. Um, very interesting sound, use of slow-mo, and it's this action sequence mostly, but of a uh, of a mountain lion. And uh, I, I don't know. I just found it uh, interesting. There's some amazing stuff that's coming out of GTA V. I mean, it's been around for years, of course, but um, I, it, it feels like in some ways it still hasn't even peaked completely because the people are just getting more and more creative with it. That same site that Rick, Ricky mentioned last episode, Nexus Mods, you're going to be hearing that a lot on this show, I'm sure, in the future. They have mods for this game as well. Many, 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 many mods. And I'm sure that some of those were employed, maybe some of those were employed to make this. Grand Theft Auto V kind of has the, uh, it's in the position that many consider it to be kind of the king of game machinima platforms right now because there is such flexibility to be able to cut and edit footage right there within the game to sequence events happening and things like that. So uh, this is a, a really neat example of someone just using that in a very unconventional way. Uh, but did you guys get a chance to see it? And what did you think? Oh, God, yes. It was fantastic. In fact, I think Rockstar Games is well ahead of the uh, curve when they came up with their editor. 
Um, it's something that I think other game companies uh, followed through. And, and it's such a good editor that uh, even with no mods, you can create a really interesting uh, machinima uh, game with that. And the, the world, since it's an open world, you can go to all kinds of different places and things to, to do films. Now, uh, in the, the genre, it tends to be cop crime movies that you see a lot, which is fine. There are some really good ones. I think there was a feature length film that was released in it that was excellent, sort of mafia style. But I think that that world has a lot more to offer than just uh, cop dramas. And I think that's one of the things that made me excited about this film is that somebody used their imagination. Hey, hey, they use their imagination, God. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? You're right, Ricky. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and so they use their imagination. And to center the film on the, which is a which is a deal here in LA. They, occasionally, mountain lions come down and they go into urban areas, and people just go nuts, you know. <laughs> and um, they in rock in in Grand Theft Auto though they these cops were. I love the animals. The other animals reacting like the cows. They're yes. like, oh well, hey, that, that you'll see that every day. <laughs> It was just beautifully made, strange and poetic, and I just loved it. I I really liked it too, but but I thought it was, you know, when I, when I was looking at it, I thought, what exactly is being referred to here? Because it was like a, it was a story about a, a marauding beast, but in the end, I wasn't sure whether the marauding beast was actually the lion or the cops. <laughs> and it, it was yeah. it was kind of playing with that. A little it was bit, ambiguous it? that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I picked up I, on that as well. I, I, I thought it, it was really cool, really, really well done, and the sepia style of it as well, which was, you know, was that was that part of the game, or did they layer that into it? That I don't know. I, I think the Rockstar editor has some filters in there, but this yeah, was probably put through some post work. I mean, it's mm. it's it's got some nice polish to it. It does have some if filters. It wasn't, so it's I pretty easy to do it. it in editor. Sorry, Damien. Uh, I I just say it's. Um, it does have some filters because I did play around with it at one point just to to see what it could do, and it was a very impressive tool set. But I was kind of lacking in um, story ideas. I could tell this was just when the game was launched, so there were no mods yet, and I was lacking in story ideas that would work in that sort of modern day setting. Hmm. Um, so I, I never released any films with it, but I did play around with it. I wish more games had this kind of tool set in it because it's very right. really yes. powerful. I think we're all waiting for that to come to Red Dead Redemption, the PC version. Uh, I sure hope it, it does, because that game is just gorgeous. Uh, I, I think a similar thing would be very intriguing and popular in, uh, uh, in Cyberpunk as well. From hmm. what I've been reading, it is coming to Red Dead Redemption 2. It just isn't, Good. hasn't been released yet. I, I'm really intrigued because I love the cemeteries in the, that game. Red yeah. Dead Redemption 2, there, there's such a variety of strange and interesting cemeteries. I'd love to do a sort of pseudo-documentary on the, the cemetery history of the cemeteries in Red Dead Redemption, and it'd be fun to use that as a tool. But I anyway, would love to do that with you, Ricky, because I'm actually location scouting for a cemetery scene, so uh, maybe we oh, can, cool. I can pick your brain on, on some <laughs> ideas for that. All right. Seriously. All right. No, seriously. <laughs> Yeah, because two guys are getting murdered by a drifter. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know, I knew that was going to come into it. <laughs> oh, God. 
one All right. thing I wanted to before we move on, one thing I wanted to ask you about the soundscape in there was really interesting as well. The the sounds of the animals did that come from the game? You know, I'm not sure. I have not delved into. Uh, I've played previous many previous Grand Theft Auto games, but uh, haven't really delved into that side of it, the natural world, which this this fifth iteration of the game here has just taken that to a whole other level. So I, I really don't know. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say that that because the sounds were so precise uh, that, that that was done in post, but I really don't know. It could very well have come from the game. Perhaps when you uh, uh, contact the filmmaker on that uh, page, I think it was YouTube that you, did you found yeah, it Yeah, it was YouTube, right. Yeah, when we noticed, maybe you could ask the question about that mentioned that we're the podcast and say, hey, we were wondering what, how much post-production you did on that. It'd be interesting to follow up on it. Do you think that I'd have to do it kind of like a, hey, uh, we uh, were wondering uh, if you uh, would like to tell us. Uh, that's no, that's good, how you sound Italian, right? It's, you could. You could. Of course, I, I think if you use the name tampon insertion, he would definitely respond. <laughs> Oh, man. That channel oh. will be claimed by the time this episode oh, airs. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I've got yep. a couple choices. My first one is uh, Ghost Boys, spelled B-O-I-S. It's a spoof shot in Unity um, about the ghost hunter phenomena that has been sort of hitting the airwaves, te television airwaves for the last, oh, gosh, 10 years at least. At least. Uh, my my partner, Lisa Morton, uh, wrote a book on seances, the history of the seance. And so she ended up watching a lot of this and I watched them with her. And they're just, they're almost self-parodying. At, at they really points, are. You know what I mean? And, but, but there's something strangely fascinating about the disasters of their investigation. I mean, you suspend your critical thinking and you go, well, that doesn't make sense, you know, or well, they're standing next to a, 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 an electrical conduit. Of course, it's going to affect your, your gauge, you know? Um, and so the Ghost Boys is done in a really interesting style in which they take, uh, he's got sort of blocky 3D figures. And what he did is he took pictures of the uh, people's faces and then he used that as a uh, material to wrap around uh, these 3D sort of pudgy clay-like characters <laughs> with these real human faces, yeah. which, which made them even stranger. And then the performances by these guys um, is really, they're somewhat slow for, for comedy. I wish they would have sped it up of what he was trying to do is capture that inanity of the pausing in those things where they're, you know, they're really being serious about the discovery that they've just made, you know, but unfortunately it kills a little bit of the comedy. So if I had a, a criticism, it would be that they, they, they needed to speed some of that up, but still it's, it's very, very funny. At one point, one of the guys looks out a window at this house that they're exploring and, um, sees an, an alien, a typical alien. He goes, oh my God, it's an alien. It's true. It's really true. And the other guy whose role in the entire thing is to slap down the enthusiasm of the first guy. He's, he's very funny. He goes, this is a show about ghosts. We want to do another show about aliens. Let's do that. You know what I mean? It's, it's just got such a great, great sensibility. And in fact, the, the filmmaker's whole uh, sensibility is just great. And what did you guys think? I've really enjoyed it as well. Um, and as you were saying about the alien, 
there's a shot just before that of just the forest where they're talking, but you can't see them. And if you look really closely, you can see a little flying saucer come down. There's a little prelude to that there's an alien <laughs> going to appear. I miss that. That's you have to look great. really closely to see it. And I was just watching it. I thought, wait a minute. So I went back and watched it come down. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of it's shot in POV because in Unity it's very easy to switch the camera to a POV. So they yeah. got this funky light, you know, which is a really bad flashlight thing, and they're going around and they're doing it as POV with the voiceover. It's very amusing. The lighting was my favorite element of this. Mm-hmm. In addition to the, like you said, the the the, the comedy of the, that that just comes with that that parody. But the lighting was just, uh, it was just right. You know that kind of washed out night vision type of light in most of the scenes. Uh, just, just wonderful. So Yeah. Now this was episode one. There's a second episode in which they get involved with Bigfoot and some other ghost hunters that they have a big conflict with. I think they get into a big fight with the <laughs> other ghost hunters and it's a little bit long and a little more elaborate. I think they've worked out their workflow of working in unity, which I'm surprised there aren't more people doing the machinima in unity. This was a really good example if you want to see the kinds of stuff that you can do, the amount of control you have in a camera and things like that. What did you think, Tracy? I thought it was a great parody of, um, you know, folks that just watch those kinds of shows and just sort of (laughs) tipped into that, uh, you know, that whole kind of, um, uh, you know, genre of um, sort of soft horror, really. It It was, it was, it was seriously weird it's not the sort of thing i watch at all because it freaks me out living you know living out in the middle of nowhere i don't i don't like watching things like that but um yeah i could see i could see the fun in it and the way that they were doing it was just really interesting yeah they caught that amateur's sense of bravado you know yes. oh we're really yeah. on a we're yeah. really on a, i just they caught it perfectly i love that film director he's got many other interesting uh uh, films on his YouTube. We'll make sure we uh, uh, link those in the show notes. And my second film is called Justice. Um, it's as 180 degrees opposite of uh, Ghost Boys. It is a film shot in Nightmare Puppeteer, um, and it has that crazy, almost surrealistic collage of animation and action, and yet it has a strong political subtext. In some ways, it reminded me a bit of um, uh, that wonderful French democracy um, because okay. the, the, mm-hmm. the French democracy, because of his inexperience in um, Mr. Chan's inexperience in, in filming, he sort of went by instinct and it has this rough kind of quality. You know what I mean? Add that to the poor uh, rendering quality from the movies game, and you had this odd, weird-looking thing with a heavy uh, political subtext. I felt the same way with this one, although the visuals were much stronger and the person was much more in control of uh, the various scenes, which are strange and interesting and, and dynamic and short. That's one of the big things that I think happens with a lot of experimental films. They just go on way too long. You can only take so much uh, change in form and change in reading because the effort becomes finding a comfort zone in watching uh, something experimental. And if you're left having to do that for 40 minutes, you just get exhausted. You're not going to do that. So I appreciated the film was short. I I was just really impressed with it. And I'm, I really want to, it made me want to dig into Nightmare Puppeteer even more. 
Um, so I, it was just a lovely film, and I, I was really glad to come across it. it. What did you think about the music? Because was it a music video as well? Well, that's the thing. It kind of was. It was an amalgam of different kinds of things, a creative mixture of political commentary, surrealistic experimental film, a music video. Um, it was all those things, I think. You know, I was, I was surprised. Um, go, ahead, go ahead, Tracy. Sorry. No, no, no. You carry on. You carry on. I was going to say, I was, I was very surprised to learn that this wasn't... Uh, artist formerly known as M. Strange, that it wasn't his work because the sound of the music, this kind of homebrewed electronica sound, um, uh, very 8-bit elements to it, uh, to some of the sounds in there. And then, yeah, the visuals, the, the just some of them very jarring and very, very vivid. Um, it's, it's, I think what was coming through is that his, he, he put himself into the tool Nightmare Puppeteer, and so there's a little piece of him in every single piece that's made with it, you know, to, to some degree, because it's got his his weirdness, you know, that and I mean that in the positive way, his his unusual way of looking at the world. That's what ends up coming out of it, and this was just it was just wonderfully done. Um, uh, and yeah, I I thought it was was if if you did if I had to guess, I would have thought it was made by him himself. Like it's it's, and I mean that as the highest compliment I can. Because I think that nobody does whatever you call this, <laughs> whatever this genre is. I don't know what the name of it is, but no. nobody does it better than him. So for somebody to have, to have, yeah, to have produced something that has that same very unsettling, uh, and yet I couldn't take my eyes off it, like from beginning to end. It was like when yeah. it was over, you're right, Ricky, short is good. This was the perfect length because when it was over, I was like, oh, that's it? <laughs> you know? That's what you want to do. You don't want yeah. it to be where, oh, geez, how much time is this going to take, you know? So, yeah, it's just great. From I, I loved everything about this. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, we, we do include an interview with uh, uh, Slavo Strangevich, who is now, who was the artist named Strange. That's what he's calling himself now. And um, we have an interview in which he talks about the development of Nightmare Puppeteer right after the uh, this film session. Nice. Um, and also he talks about some really interesting uh, things that he's doing with supporting other artists um, that, that uh, I don't want to reveal here. He'll, he'll tell you all about it there, but it's, it's just really terrific. He made quite a haul on the uh, cryptocurrency and he's sharing that uh, benefit with other artists, which is mm, that's another, kind. another aspect of his personality, which I just adore. So those were my two films. Um, Tracy, you've got a really interesting one that's very different from the three we've mentioned. Completely different and not Halo. This is <laughs> this is called Sons of Skyrim um, Part 2 by Egriff. And it's a 17-minute a long uh, story, which is, a, which is a, basically a lead-up to a, a battle. Um, uh, not really sure what the... What the what the battle is? Uh, I had to go back and watch episode one as well, um, which is you know. So this is the the, the follow up to to the episode one. Um, it's kind of Roman and um, medieval in in style. Um, there are one or two little technicals in it, I think, and it and it in a couple of places to me it felt just a, a teeny little bit long, like the the marching 
went on for for a little bit uh, long. But but generally speaking, I think the pacing was really good um, for for what what you've got here, which is a which is sort of a semi long form machinima. Uh, and what I particularly liked about it was these interesting perspectives, the camera positions um, that the uh, the creators put onto the to the film, including some great first person. Uh, perspectives um, and also some you know some more distant shots uh, and there's a really great reveal at the end because you know the tropes in the in the in the story arc are really quite familiar and you know the sound of course is one of the things that uh, makes it familiar because it's using major Hollywood um, productions like Gladiator and and maybe there's a bit of Robin Hood in there as well um, which helped to you know sort of push the story along with it with these kind of you know Hollywood soundscape to it including the 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 musical side of it um only some of which is credited by the way but but the reveal at the end is distinctly Skyrim um and overall I kind of feel it's a really good homage to the Skyrim modding community itself because you know it's clear that there's a lot of stuff that's been brought into it um that have been uh created by modders um, in the game as well. So, yeah, what did you guys think? I I don't actually watch that much um, Skyrim Machinima, so when I watched this, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And I was really impressed by the amount of detail that was put into the scenes to animate them, because I didn't know that Skyrim could do any of these things. Like, um, you mentioned having the soldiers marching along, and yeah, it was a little bit long, but I didn't know the game was even capable of giving the player that kind of control over... I mean, obviously it must have been modded um, quite extensively for that. Uh, so I was quite impressed just by that. And the way that the, there's a battle scene halfway through it. And again, there's the, the soldiers kind of, um, they take up formation and they do like the Roman shield um, tortoise mm. um, formation. And um, just having the characters can take to, you know, to actually form, to perform that uh, must have taken a lot of um, effort and uh, so I enjoyed all of that. Phil, Ricky? Um, you know, I know that everything has has changed <clears throat> with regard to uh, copyright material, or at least uh, on the surface it seems to have, especially with regard to, to the way YouTube's attitude is toward the presence of copyright material. It's, it's less about... Um, less about takedowns and, and that and more about, you know, giving the copyright holder the chance to go ahead and monetize your use of it. So I know that the, I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, but I, I, I'm still old fashioned and I'm to this, this is my grumpy old troll week <laughs> because I, I just, I, I couldn't, I, I'm watching it and I'm very impressed by it. And, and, and like Ricky, I'm a sound guy. So I'm really like, goodness gracious, some of the soundscape on this is just amazing. And then I hear this like vocal call that I only recognized because I've watched Ridley Scott's Gladiator, like, I don't know, 1500 times, you know, <laughs> it's one of my all time favorite movies. And it's this scene from very near the beginning where one of the bar leaders of the barbarians shouts out this thing. And I, it's unmistakable, like the timbre and everything. That they, and I thought, well, that's weird. Because there's no way somebody got it that right. And so I listened to it again. 
And then I went back and listened again, and, and I start hearing uh, the voice. Actually, while you were, were talking, I was scrolling through. This, there's a voice actor in there that was one of the lesser secondary supporting actors in Game of Thrones. I know who it is. I could see his face. I just don't know his name. I was trying to find it. There's like 17,000 cast members in Game of Thrones. I'm never going to find it. But there was this line that just out of the blue amidst all these other fairly competent voice acting going on. All of a sudden there's this line with this, this very well-known British actor, you know, saying this line about, you know, go tell him to pull up the line or something like that. And, and so then I just, it's like, then I couldn't stop seeing it or hearing it, I should say all these instances of, and by the end of it, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know if I had, I don't know if I'm happy about this or not. You know, that, that you, you can't deny that there was craft in putting that in, but I watched the, the credits and may, maybe I just missed it, but I didn't see any mention of these sound sources in the, in the quite extensive credits that were in there. Now, maybe I missed it, you know, but so no, I don't think you did. I don't think you missed it. I think it's kind of a, okay, if you're going to use that, then at least, at the very least, say so. You know, if, you, if you're confident enough to go ahead and use that and you know you won't get in trouble for it, if you don't mention it, then it leaves this question of, are you trying to, trying to pass this off as your own work or not? You know, and it's one of those things where, well, maybe, oh, this stuff's so well known, people will know that's not me and I don't care about that. Or maybe not. And it just, it's like, why leave that question? So I don't know. I, I ended up getting all distracted by that. And, and I, I couldn't tell you how the movie ended, to be honest. I, I got really aggravated by that. Um, so I don't know. And it's, again, I know that my attitude on that is old fashioned. Um, I certainly don't have any dog in this hunt in terms of it's not, you know, my IP being used. I don't, you know, it's nothing personal, but it just, I think because, I, I, I cut my teeth in the era where you'd get your butt kicked for doing that, you know? And now it's like, oh, these young whippersnappers, you know, they're getting away with it kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a mess from it. And, and it's, it's not the film's fault necessarily, but it just, it ended up bringing up a lot of issues that I have with, uh, that I still have with use of copyrighted stuff, especially uncredited Um I'm sure that most of the people watching the film will not have such a hang up about it, but I, I did. They won't have the history of of um, dealing with the issues that you have, Phil. And that, that's yeah. that's interesting because you know the episode one only came out in October, mm -hmm. and episode two uh, only a week or so ago. Um, and the the creators of it um, seem to be quite new to to creating Machinima, so I think sure. that's that's a lesson back to them, really. You know, learn from the old guys. Uh, on you know how to deal with copyright or or at least learn how to think about how to deal with it even if you don't fully acknowledge it yeah like and i said look, i recognize too that to to do a soundscape like what they're doing here is like some of the stuff that we had to do for blood spell and and uh which was a lot of these big you know large action sequences and stuff and you know it would have been very easy to just go you know, pull up the battle scene from Kenneth Branagh's Henry VIII film and just grab that and layer that underneath. And just, it was just unthinkable to do that at the time. Um, but it's, it's tons of work. And I recognize it's really hard to put together an internet team of competent people. It really is. If you can get two or three people 
that are going to actually deliver what they say they're going to deliver, you've beat the average, you know? And so to, to get some team of competent people who are going to come through for you is sadly really, really hard. You know, that's why there's so many solo creators out there, I think, um, is. I think you're right. Because you, there's all kinds of people who love talking about doing stuff. Hmm. Love it. Oh, yeah, I can help with that. I'd be, oh, man, I want to be a part of this. I can do that. And then it's like, come on. So for anybody that's serious, it just gets really discouraging because there's a lot of people with big mouths and tiny hands. That's like really mean to say, but I mean, it's. I think anybody who's been doing this for a while knows that that's the case, that, that, that it's just, it's hard. So I say all that in their defense, that I understand that they've clearly got some people with some, some skill sets involved and they've got a team together. And that's awesome. That's an achievement to have gotten them to produce something like this. It's amazing. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, it, I keep coming back to, yeah, but this isn't the solution for that, you know? Hmm. there's got to be somebody who can put together a a soundscape. I mean, it's not that hard if the person has the right software and you just get a sound, get a library of sounds. Sure. Go to freesound.org. Yeah. Look on Freesound or just buy Sony has some five volume library you can get for a couple hundred bucks. It's got every sound you could imagine in there. It's amazing. Get something like that, you know, but so I say it all with the caveat that I understand it's, it's easier said than done. I really, really, really do understand that. Um, I've had a lot of quote unquote team members that just life, that's just the nature of, of working on freelance and emphasis on the word free lance stuff on the internet is you're going to get what people can give if, if, if they can. It's not like hiring a team, you know? Yeah. So I, I understand that, but it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's highly personal. It's and it's nothing personal against them. This is me that I I reacted that way to it, and I still don't fully understand why. But hopefully, I've well, I think it's partially it. it has to do with uh, modern notions of remix culture. Yeah, the more modern notions of remix, which is everything is usable. Yeah, and they don't really think about it, and it's only when somebody comes after them, do they go, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll change that. It's a completely different attitude. In fact, I'd give you a brief story about uh, MDOT at YouTube and their inconsistent method of, of policing copyrighted material. Here, they didn't catch any of that in this film, all of those copyrighted materials. And yet, one day, MDOT gets a takedown notice from uh, YouTube and it says he's using a sound effect that someone else has in their sound effect collection. And he goes, what the hell is that? So he goes to the file and it's the sound of wind. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a euphemism, I assume. It's No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> and he says, I went to Japan. This It's a samurai related film. He went to Japan and recorded wind in a bamboo forest. It's his wind. It's yeah. his, his sound recording of wind. And wow. yet their algorithms went, oh, no, this wind is just like this wind in this other collection, so they have to take it down. Wow. I had a so That's how experience. absurd that notion of copyright policing. So I think remix culture oftentimes reacts to that absurdity by saying, well, I'll just do what I want. 
And, and I understand. What? In a weird way, I can respect that. Mm, I can. I can respect that stick a finger in their eye yeah. mentality. I really, really can. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because I agree I'm, with you. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think it's a better... It's a better thing to do. It also pushes you more towards creativity to, to do your own sound design of that. It takes more time, but it's yours. It does. And I, I admire that. And overall, you know, I enjoy this movie. Um, I like Skyrim a lot. And uh, there are some really good machinima tools in Skyrim and mods uh, to create this incredible atmosphere. In fact, there was a recent thing using a, a Skyrim machinima where uh, 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 Snoop Dogg uh, was going to go in and battle a giant. <laughs> and so he goes in, you know, he's playing one of these tough guy characters and he walks up to him and the giant just takes this big club and just smashes him down. <laughs> and you hear Snoop in the bottom, there's a little picture of him going, the F word, you know. <laughs> you know? Oh, so you know, I just... Put that if in there. You can find there was, that. Put a link to that in the notes, yeah, too. Was, I'd like to see that. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the mod, there are mods where you can, uh, character mods where you can go anywhere in Skyrim and summon, summon up any character and place them together. And because of their AIs, they'll interact with each other depending upon what their AI response is. Oh, that's is. neat. Yeah. So you can actually, it's sort of a Sims thing. You sort of figure out what their psychology is and then you put them together and then they'll react that hmm. way, which is a very interesting way to do filmmaking. It is. You certainly, you, do, you certainly don't do filmmaking in standard Hollywood productions, you know, <laughs> like that. but I like that. And I like that. I, I, I like the look of the production. I love the, you write the sound effects. I didn't get all the connections you did, Phil. Um, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, so it didn't it didn't bother me as much. Um, although hearing it now, that it, it's troublesome. What what bothered me about the film a bit is that it reminds me of a, of a kind of trend in machinima, which has always gotten my dander up, and it's an attempt to not do machinima as machinima, uh, but do machinima as a way of recreating a much loved television show or a much-loved film. And the problem with that, uh, wh which I, I understand the, the, the impetus to that. I mean, it's fan fiction. I mean, thousands of people are writing stories that take place in the Star Trek world and all of that. I get that. But the problem is, is that their source is so much better than what they come up with. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> while, they're, yeah. while they're trying to copy that form, what what really bothered me in this was the animation cycles in the in Skyrim. It caused people to be able to stop and have that little stutter when they turn. You know what I mean? Now, in the cinema community, you accept that. And you just go, okay, well, that's just the way the game is. And it doesn't bother you. But you accept it when it's when it's when it's made as a machinima film, not as a recreation of a of a Game of Thrones or or gladiator scene or something like that because all the rest of it the voice acting is great the script is really good but then you got this stuttering crappy um uh, animation cycles plus the rendering of the skin textures on all of the characters is like wax so it's difficult to take it it takes you out of your suspension of disbelief is what i'm saying and that's that was my trouble with that had they come up with their own original story 
uh, rather than trying to recreate a story that we've seen a hundred times, they may have been able to be more, be more convincing. That being said, I did enjoy the, the film and I love that reveal at the end. I thought that was really good. Well, let me go on. Let me go full on schizophrenic here, Ricky, then, and, and say that uh, kind of say, speak a little bit in defense of the film on, on this point, And that is, is there something to be said for imitation of an existing show to kind of be a way to, to learn the craft? I mean, we, we talked about the, uh, the guy, uh, first or second episode who created the uh, town that dreaded sundown oh yeah right. trailer yeah. and w- when we talked about him using David the original Mann. audio from that um, as a as kind of a way to subdivide the the work you know that if by by relying on that audio it kind of takes the burden off of okay now i can just focus on synchronizing the visuals and and doing this part of it and the audio is all taken care of I realize how ironic it is that now I'm taking this position, but it, it, in, in a way, is that maybe what's attractive about recreation uh, efforts like this is you don't have to worry about character development or story. I mean, these are things that I would never dream of skipping, I wouldn't think. I hope not. But it is a hard thing to do well, you know, so maybe they're just using the story that and, and the the world that's already been created by another show as a way to focus on um, just learning how to produce generally, you know, trying to get as close to it. I don't know. I yeah, think that's I kind of how, um, how I got started with my mission because I was doing a lot of Star Wars stuff. I wasn't retelling an existing Star Wars story. I came up with my own story, but it kind of, it referenced other stories, the official stories that were taking place. And Part of the reason I was doing that was I didn't have to create this world. It was already there, and it gave me a chance to play around with it and learn storytelling and filmmaking. Yeah. So once I finished my story, I thought, well, that was fun. Now I'm going to take what I've learned and make my own thing, which ended up being Chronicles of Humanity. Chronicles of Humanity, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get the strong I wonder if that may – and Tracy said that she she got the impression that they were relatively new to this. So yeah. Yeah. in the same way that – that honestly I should cut them some slack on the audio thing for that reason. Uh, we should probably cut them a little slack on uh, the, the imitative form, let's call it. I don't know what the word would be yeah. Yeah, as a way right. to, to get started with it. And maybe, you know, down the road uh, now that they've, as once they master these elements of production, then they'll start, well, maybe we'll yeah. we tell our own story yeah. with this. Yeah. So, I think that's, a, yeah. that's we, a we really good. Need to, we need to keep open-minded about that myself yeah. first and foremost. I thank you for for making that point because um, a lot of this is just personal preference. Right. I find myself attracted to more original work uh, than derivative work. Absolutely. Um, although I I do watch it, you know, I like satire. So so some of these choices, some of these comments we make are are have to be looked at for the lens of it's a personal preference. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, indeed. All right, let's move on to Damien's uh, film. Uh, what did you come up with this time, Damien? Uh, so this time I came up with a film called The Worst City Ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a friend of mine a while ago um, sent me this. and said, I need to watch this video um, and then go and watch the other guys. But um, he made it. It's called, he's, uh, a 
so I make a course, The Killian Experience. That's his YouTube channel. And so I watched the video and it starts off, it's Christmas. And what, um, whenever it's Christmas, what I think about is dystopian mega cities. And he sets out. (laughs) 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 um, He sets out using a city building game. Um, He calls it Sim City. And that's obviously part of the joke. It's actually using um, uh, cities skylines. Skylines. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, he wants to build a dystopian megacity from scratch. And his, the whole purpose <laughs> of this video is to do that. And he kind of, he has um, a dystopian mega cozy village. That's like the first step of it. And uh, he just kind of goes on through it. And I really enjoyed the sense of humor because he's taking so much fun. Um, he's having so much fun with it. And he's making fun of himself doing it and the game and the whole concept of dystopian megacities. Um, and it's just, I don't know how to describe it. It just amused me so much. And of course I then went and checked out his, his other videos he's done and he does a lot of other works. A lot of it is machinima. Some of it's live action and some of it's hybrid mixing of the two to tell whatever story he's decided to do. Uh, this video, he, he does a wide range of different games. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think? Oh I man, I, I just loved it. Hilarious. You know, the, when I was talking about how I admire originality, this is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think you would fit it into the let's play type of video. Tracy, would you? Yeah, would I was going to say, for me, it was a kind of a little bit like we talked about with um, Phil's Choice last Yeah, last Grace month. Still Plays is what it made yeah. me think of, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a version of let's play, isn't it? But with it very is. many stereotyping jokes uh, about regional cultures, which were absolutely hilariously done. Yes. The guy's got a magnificent sense of uh, humor. And, you know, I, th- I think it's a let's play, but it's not a traditional let's play because a let's play in the PewDiePie sense is you go through and play the game and you react and you're, you make quips and things like that, but you're legitimately playing the game, you know? Yeah. In, in this, he's actually using the game as a, as a kind of, a, a, platform for him to talk to do a comedy routine and to and to be ironic about the creation of the game to begin with and that sort of thing is like a personal essay a stand-up comedy essay where the the comic talks about his own personal life and you just you you can't believe that they're actually he actually did any of that or she actually did any of that the great sense of i thought this was a wonderful film and and I really admire that person's creativity and being able to put it together and have such a droll sense of humor about the whole thing. You know, I got a real sense of, um, uh, you know, um, forecasting through it as well, because although that film is 2016, it was it's really reminiscent of what our current cities are like, isn't it? <laughs> with, uh, you know, with COVID, certainly here in the UK anyway at the moment, still in lockdown. Uh, I mean... <laughs> just hilarious dystopian kind of you know yeah i ended up sort of saying well no it's not the worst city ever we've got some of those um but yes. yeah really really interesting it also fits really nicely into the sort of postmodern. I'm sorry to bring that term up but it fits nicely into the postmodern sensibility in that rather than literally playing the game and then showing that real experience you step back and point out to the viewer that this is a game and you're a person who's watching the game playing the game and commenting on the game so it fits nicely into that very modern 
framework, you could never in the height of machinima.com's machinima submissions ever see a film like this because everybody was trying to do the, the, the thing, the, the Ozymandias, the realistic world, you know, like a, like you've got a, like a world and then the fourth wall is taken away and you're looking at this real thing. The, these filmmakers and these let's, let's play filmmakers are saying, no, fuck all that. Oh, sorry. They're, <laughs> they're going to hell with all of that. We're going to, this is a game and we're going to make it and I'm having fun with it. And here's what I think. And I just yeah. love that. It's such a, fascinating and interesting thing i'm i'm searching them out on the internet to try to find more yeah i I love this too i i this this style of of comedy uh uh the the parody infused uh let's play i've i've found that since i found that uh gray still plays film last episode (laughs) i've just that stuff's been coming up in my feed like crazy and there's a lot of very talented people who you're right you're exactly right ricky that it's it's this is essentially a comedy routine uh, with, in this case, infused with, I think, some genuine political sentiments that he has about the reality of life, the reality of urban life in particular. And yet it's all in, encased in this, this comedic persona that he's adopting for the video. And it's just, it's just wonderful. Um, I'll, I'll also mention real briefly that it's not without irony that I noticed that also in this video, there were little blurbs of uh, copyright audio, but used in more of that kind of that meme style that's very popular today, which I mean, even Grace Play uses those where all of a sudden you'll hear the, we were joking about it earlier, you all of a sudden hear the curb your enthusiasm, you know, music theme for something silly that happened or these very, you know, the Wilhelm scream which is in almost every movie ever done. And, uh, you know, these, these identifiable little uh, pieces of audio from current pop culture, very recognizable. In fact, I think their recognizability is part of the reason for selecting them. Not, they're not just random funny sounds. It's, yeah, this yeah. is funny because this is Michael Scott from The Office U.S. losing his mind over something and you know it's him. <laughs> but it's just a little bitty clip, you know. And he employs these they're sprinkled all throughout the video. And yet I found myself, I watched these in the order we discussed them today that I wasn't bothered. I noticed it, but I wasn't bothered. And I thought, well, why is that? I just, I just got finished writing a whole paragraph about how ticked off I was with sons of Skyrim for using copyright audio. And here I am just yuck, yucking it along as this guy employs it to great effect. And I, I don't know. I, there, there is something different about, for lack of a better term, that meme usage of of audio and sometimes video clips you'll see YouTubers use where they'll all of a sudden just insert a scene, a, a three-second scene from, you know, some popular movie or television show, a reaction shot of, you know, Thor going, what? You know, and <laughs> everyone knows what that is, and yet they're not getting takedowns for that. So whatever it is that, that these people who do this are doing, it, it apparently it's the context that differs, doesn't yeah. it? And, yeah. and yeah, the context is so small. And also, there's no attempt. I think that for me, the big difference was there was no attempt in the copyright audio uses in The Worst City Ever for him to make it out like it's his creation. Like anyone who would hear it, almost anyone who would hear it knows it's borrowed. 
and that it's being employed for for comedic effect. Well, isn't there uh, a fair use uh, thing for satire? There is. In satire, you can use pieces of other people's stuff because it's satirical. There is, the but I think is. I think that the literal way that satire and fair use works is that like the perfect example I can think of is Weird Al Yankovic, you know, and so he does a song like a surgeon, you know, which is a parody of, of Madonna's like a virgin song from the eighties. And it uses the same melody and this, it's borrowing all this stuff. Um, and it's, it's using it in a satirical context, but the satire the stuff being borrowed is from the thing being satirized. Whereas I don't know if you could make that case for the worst city ever, that it's just this random scream or, you know, funny sound effect or something that's from television that has nothing to do with cities or this video game or what he's actually, you know, making a social criticism about, but yet it's still tolerated. I think a lot of it's the duration and also that just, I think to some degree that that usage is so pervasive now. There's not there's not there's not a single top YouTuber that doesn't use that technique in some way. Mm, yeah, uh, it's so pervasive that it's one of those things of as good as YouTube's audio detection software is. It's like how in the world are we going to regulate this? You know, yeah. Yeah. I think at some point everybody involved just says, "Eh, let's just let it go." You know, so. And Killian does that a lot in his other videos as well. There was one, I think he was playing, um, I forgot the name, of it, something King, King, Crusader Kings, that was it, Crusader Kings 2. And he was playing around with it and he did some, he traveled back through time with it. I don't remember the context for it. Um, because he had that time travel element, he used a little bit of the Doctor Who theme uh-huh. as, the, as he was going back. And um, it worked there. Uh, but because you know, if, if you're going to travel back through time, you need some kind of reference to something that is time travel related. And he obviously decides Doctor Who would be the thing to use, or he could have done um, Back to the Future or something. But Doctor Who is what he decided to go with, and it's something he does a lot in his videos. And it it kind of works and doesn't feel like he's it's more like he's referencing it rather than saying this is what I'd made myself. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it, some of this is too just the, the the free availability of this stuff. If if you try to imagine being in 1989 and saying, "Hey, I want to I want to include an audio sample of from Back to the Future in my in my little audio production I'm doing." That's that's not easy to do, you know. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess you could go try to rip it. You rent it from Blockbuster and then go rip it from that somehow and and Whereas nowadays you can just go and just find it, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and also I think there's, there's this, it's the remix culture you mentioned, Ricky too, that, that, mm-hmm. that has become a thing. Look at the show family guy. If you don't watch that, the whole, I like 50% of the show is parody of and, and borrowing from uh, other things to, to, to enhance the comedy of the show. Now, of course they're probably having to, jump through all sorts of hoops to be able to do that because they're on television. Uh, but on the internet, it's wild west, you know? So sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, I was just, phenomenon. I, I was just looking to see, you know, do you remember the film we talked about ba- baby outlaw, the star Wars? Right. Um, mm-hmm. I was just looking to see if that had been taken down because obviously that's using the music from, um, Ellie King, L King. 
Um, and it's the real, it's the, you know, it's obviously the real song. Yeah. Um, but it's still up. And I'm just wondering, why is that still up? Because it's so uh, good. It is very good, isn't it? Well, yes. You would think that she would be benefiting from that, surely. Um, the artist? The artist. Absolutely yeah, well, the artist. I would think so. I would think um, so. But it, it, in theory, it is taking copyrighted sound. It wasn't an official music video at all. Um, and yet the only way it seems to have been uh, um, captured, if that's the right word, is that there are now adverts overlaying it. So YouTube has included it in its algorithm. So yeah, that's okay, but we'll monetize it. That's right. Mm. That's that's the key difference is that YouTube, uh, th that the, the person who produced and uploaded that video cannot monetize it themselves. Yeah, um, mm. It's not even an option once it's been flagged in that way. Mm. But whoever yeah. the owner of the copyrighted material is, if they're part of that network, they can. So that's that's the win-win that YouTube negotiated. Yeah. Goodness, I don't know how many years ago it's been now, at least 10 years ago. Remember, originally when YouTube came about, there was all kinds of controversy about that. Yeah. A lot of takedowns, yeah. a lot of talk of lawsuits and federal regulation and all this stuff. And whoever it is at YouTube that negotiated that, they're brilliant and probably very, very wealthy from it. Um, but they, they basically made a piece with all the record companies and all the audio producers. And there's been some interesting stuff that comes from that. Um, there's a video that I made 2007 or so, I want to say it was. Um, wasn't unlike, it was unlike any video I've ever made before. It had nothing to do with machinima. It was uh, a series of photographs um, from news sources, basically, of the the revolution that was, well, kind of revolution, the uprising that was going on in the country of Iran at the time. And then I found a, on the internet archive, marked as public domain, mind you, I found an audio recording of a woman reciting this poem from a, from the, the uh, Indian revolution in the, in the middle of the 1900s. Um, Sarfaroshi Kitamana was the name of the poem. And she's reciting it in the native language with this really rhythmic sense to it. And then I took that audio of her, again, Mark's public domain, and created a music track that synchronized with it because she was so on with her rhythm. I was able to line up and do this thing. I played it live because I couldn't use a sequencer. It wasn't that exact, but basically it, it created this new piece of music, a derivative piece of music with her doing the audio and then my video and it was up for years. And then all of a sudden, one day, I got a notice from YouTube that, oh, you're, you're, this video has been uh, flagged. I had never tried to monetize it myself, but um, this video has been flagged and the, the copyright owner of the song is going to monetize it from now. And that's still, that, that's still that way today. That video is still that way today. Uh, and the monetizer of the song was someone who had written and produced a version of that same song for some movie in India that I'd never heard of. Hmm. It's not the same audio, but it's the same song. But somehow they got YouTube to see that this was the same, even though the audio is the original audio was a public domain. You can tell very low quality. Someone into like a dictaphone, basically doing this, this performance, this, this, this female poet is beautiful. 
uh, but like distorted and just just awful quality. I had to clean it up a lot. And then I put my own music underneath it, completely original, but still it got picked up for that. So yeah. for anyone using actual, you know, recorded audio from a copyright recording, yeah, that's going to get picked up right away. And and that's probably what happened with this this video with um, the, the Grogu uh, is yeah. that, yeah, the songwriter or the rather the record company that owns the rights to that audio recording is monetizing it. Yeah. And that allow and they allow it to stay up. Yeah. So, Which is great really for machinima people, isn't I, it? Yeah. I think I've it seen, is too. Although again, YouTube is inconsistent. I I make videos every week uh, for uh, renderosity.com and I almost always use uh, music from the YouTube audio library mm-hmm. that they have already approved as being able to use. Right. So I use all those. One out of every 20 that I use gets a takedown notice. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, how go. is it possible that the, it's their music that they have licensed and yet the person who owns the rights comes and says, no, they shouldn't use my stuff. Now, I first thought, well, I'm, I was in I'm going to contact YouTube and I'm going to work this all out. And I thought, are you kidding? Do you want to walk into the middle of that bureaucratic buzzsaw? No way. Fine. Take it away. You do whatever you want to do. That's fine. But it is strange that they're inconsistent. Their algorithms, I think there's a percentage, whatever it is, of algorithm mistakes that they just live with. You know, Some of it's the algorithm and some of it, too, is that there's a little bit of behind-the-scenes warfare that goes on between original composers and let's say unscrupulous third-party music publishers mm. who will go and basically try to make a claim on a work um, that the music uh, distributor that I'm a part of um, with uh, uh, Kevin McLeod, uh, filmmusic.io, which we used a lot of in last last episode. Um, yeah, several of the the artists on there have had situations where it's their own original composition and they've put it here but some company from overseas downloaded their song, put it up on their own website, and then made a claim to try and monetize it themselves on YouTube. Just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and almost always when those have come up, it's been from an international source. So people taking yeah. advantage of the fact that international copyright is hard, hard to enforce, you know. Within well, the sure U.S., it's you're, always you're, been. You know, or within the U.K. even. It's, it's, it's not so yeah. easy to get away with that, but... Yeah. Across national borders, yeah, there's shenanigans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's an interesting topic. Maybe we should look at that for some That'd future discussion thing. I think yeah. once we do a little more research on it. Absolutely. Well, anyway, that that's going to wrap up our films of the week. We are going to include a an interview with uh, Slavo Strangevich uh, and his nightmare puppeteer creation at the end of this. Thank you guys for another invigorating uh, discussion and great films. I would just love the films you guys come up with. And I hope uh, uh, everyone else listening is enjoying them as well. We'll put links in the show notes. And let's close with, Phil, you reminding us of ways to contact us. Absolutely. Uh, we can we can accept your feedback via email, uh, via a voicemail we do through Reverb.chat. We've got a Discord server. You can even text us right on your phone. Uh, we would love to hear from you, the listener, to find out what you think of what we're doing, what you'd like us to talk about, if you've got questions, if you've got topics, you got something that you think Ricky and I will fight about on the air, we would absolutely love to do so. 
So um, all of those contact methods are listed over on our website, which is completelymachinima.com. And please, we would love to hear from you, or uh, we will have to resort to more uh, blog spam comments. And nobody yes. wants that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Absolutely. I, I want to thank the three younger and more forward-looking members of this host and the one grumpy old man. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate. We we always like that perspective from a outmoded and uh, <laughs> and a deluvian. Oh, wait, that's me this week, thing. isn't it? Okay. <laughs> yes. that's, that's my so turn next time. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, that's it. Thank you, everybody. We'll be uh, our next podcast. will be on a discussion podcast. Uh, look for it a week from this one. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Music for this episode is composed by Phil Rice for the intro. Outro music is Midnight Chill by X Screenplay from freesound.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>